Welcome to At the Table. This is Bishop Sue. Uh, today I have a guest who I'm delighted to introduce to you. You might know her already. She is a deacon in our annual conference. Her name is Lindsay Geist. And uh, I'm excited to announce that Lindsay is going to join the conference staff on July 1st. And let me make sure I get the title right. As the Church Transition and Clinical Resource Specialist. We realize that in this era, uh, we are bound to have conflicts in churches and our clergy and other mental health and other issues are, are really important in the life of the church. And so it seemed like a logical thing to have her working on behalf of the conference. And uh, we grabbed her two months early. And uh, what I hear from all over the conference, especially after yesterday, a cabinet meeting where I could tell that a lot of the superintendents were just flat worn out emotionally and spiritually is how do we, how do we care for ourselves and how, how do we um, not let uh, our own lives uh, be held hostage or destroyed by a virus and by life in our congregations? And so this is really a discussion for clergy about uh, we know you're tired. We know you're strung out. We know you've got a lot of demands. Uh, if you have children, they're in your house needing homeschooling. I'm glad mine's in college. Uh, there's just so many things to worry about family uh, to worry about friends. Uh, I, I had a very close friend just struggle with COVID. And once that happens, you have a new appreciation for uh, how devastating the disease can be. And so, you know, that's happening. Folks in our congregations are having it. Um, and uh, now folks are dealing with just the mental strain of being um, confined or limited or, and they're frustrated and angry, and not being able to gather is a big part of that. And uh, I do think that the most loving thing we can do right now is to stay home, but that is sometimes really hard to do. And so, uh, welcome, Lindsay. I'm glad you're here. I just want to uh, begin with talking about our congregations. Uh, I, I saw recently a great piece about uh, a lot of times fear expresses itself as anger. And I know a lot of us are watching stages of grief as people grieve the loss of life as they knew it. So um, talk to us about um, kind of where our congregations are right now, what you're observing as you travel around the annual conference. I, I have definitely started to see a shift in some of our emotional responses. When I first spoke to people uh, right after we were all asked to shelter in place at the beginning, there was a lot of shock. There were a lot of people going, what is happening? How do I wrap my brains around this right now? What do I do? Everybody was starting to try to plan um, two, four, six months out because uh, it was their only way to manage that form of control at that time. And, and so the shock was there very quickly. As, as the shock started to wear off, I've seen the anger start mm. emerging, that people are mad that we're having to make certain choices, mad that they're at home right now. Um, I mean, I think a lot of us are, uh, are, we can't always find the words of our emotions. And so mm. when we can't find words, it often comes out as angry. Mm -hmm. And so we seem to be angry about everything. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of, 
people that I've talked to, myself included, maybe you included, that uh, have had moments where we've kind of snapped at somebody or said something that we didn't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you're laughing yeah, some because <laughs> with your family and make that how yeah. <laughs> um, that that anger is kind of our natural way to push against our feelings. Um, instead of sitting in them. And so we're starting to get angry about everything around us. Uh, angry that our churches aren't looking like we had always envisioned. Uh, angry that life isn't returning to exactly the way it was. Uh, there's, there's just anger permeating almost all s- aspects of our lives right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think... Um... Uh, to talk about how do we handle this in a mature and spiritual way, which probably is the best way to approach everything. Uh, I do think that um, this is the time to fall back on the ancient practices of the spiritual Mm -hmm. discipline. You know, that's, that's our Wesleyan heritage. But I find that what helps me with my anger and frustration is uh, reading the Psalms. I read this through the Psalms in April, five of them. And, uh, you know, the, to acknowledge God at work, but also the rawness of those emotions, like, what the heck is going on? I feel beset and besieged on all sides. God, are you even there? Are you listening? Do you care? Mm-hmm. But then the pivot of, okay, I'm going to remember how God has been faithful in the past. Uh, I've been reading a lot of history. I've, I've been especially focused on uh, Winston Churchill. And I mean, when they were, bo- I mean, we, we got a disease. They were bombing London at, mm-hmm. almost every night. I mean, and, and how can, how do you keep your sanity in that kind of situation? So, you know, it helps me to reflect on how God has been faithful in the past, how people have dealt maturely with pandemics and issues of leadership in the past. And, um, to have a voice, I love, you know, Paul, when he writes, uh, whatever is worthy of praise, think on these things, that somehow you have to just reframe your mind uh, into a, a mode of, let me look for what is life-giving and joyous. Let me look for opportunities and possibilities in the midst of, you know, devastation. Uh, where where do we need to be in ministry? And I'm really appreciative of so many pastors who have done that and mm-hmm. the laity have taken the challenge. But I do think that um, um, part of a healthy congregation is uh, permission giving and let's, you know, let's roll with the punches and let's look for a new way. And I, I hurt for the clergy who have less than healthy congregations. And let's face it, there are a lot of those who just are, we want our way back. We want this back to Sunday morning as we know it. And, you know, it won't be right until that happens. And that might be a long time. So how do you cope, Lindsay, going into this for the long haul? Because this is not going to be a sprint. This is going to be something that we're dealing with for months to come. And and that adds to folks' consternation too, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that it's not a sprint. It is more of a marathon if we're using that kind of imagery. Um, that it, we're going to have to come up with a good rhythm and a yeah. good pace to keep us sustained long term. I think one of the first things that I'd encourage everybody is uh, have some self compassion. Mm. That we don't we don't have to do everything at once. Right. 
upfront. We so desperately want to fix things and feel in control uh, because that keeps our anxiety far mm. away. And so we are over, I, I've, we as in a lot of clergy are overextending themselves. Um, and so some self-compassion means maybe you don't work quite as many hours and right. you create a hard boundary because in reality, we're spending more energy, um, emotional, uh, more energy in ourselves to handle our emotions each day. Mm -hmm. And so we have less energy to handle everything Good else yeah. in life. And so asking ourselves to completely translate uh, what we were doing before and put it in a box at home and then be a lot of times we're uh, I know people are getting angry at themselves at home. Like why didn't it work perfectly from yeah. where I was to at home? Well, you're using all this extra energy to try to care for yourself and tend for yourself and those that you love and keep the fear at bay and everything. And so our, our capacity does not look the same. Right. anymore. And right. so self-compassion is going to be the first most critical thing that you need to do for yourself mm -hmm. for the long haul. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. And, yeah, I remember, I remember our first cabinet meeting when all of this hit and they were so concerned about, well, what about our missional goals and what about, and they, they had all the, and I'm like, mm -hmm. no, 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 we're in a new realm. Focus on caring for yourself and focus on relationships. I mean, this is a time where the church can really get back to its earliest. I mean, if you read the book of Acts, I'm preaching on it this week, and so I've been immersed in it, but it's all about one-on-one -on -one relationships, mm -hmm. talking to people about Jesus, reminding them of God's provision. And so if you take it back to that, it's a lot more manageable, right? Um, I can I can call new people who show up online and just talk to them. I can call people who are especially freaked out. I can, you know, I can call other clergy. I mean, lean into the connection that you are not alone in feeling crazy. And I'm really delighted with the clergy who have joined together to plan worship together, mm -hmm. to share the workload, and to, to really... Um, uh, not be have to feel like they're a superhero and have to get it all done, but to to work in teams and to approach it in ways that um, are not so dependent on me to perform. Yeah, we. I think that I want to encourage us not to push against our feelings either. Yeah. I feel like we're spending a lot of time running right. from how we're feeling, and that if we just sat in it for a moment. Mm -hmm. And acknowledge that we too might be worried or scared or overwhelmed. Uh, that that it can be incredibly empowering mm -hmm. to own those feelings. And feelings are are something that God gave us. I mean, throughout scripture, we are given beautiful examples of ups and downs of feelings. I mean, as you mentioned before, I love the Psalms because mm -hmm. they are some dramatic feelings um, right. in there. And, and so we need to own what we're feeling mm -hmm. and not push it away. Right. Um, because but that requires, like you said, time and space. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's so not, I, you know, so how, you know, if you've got your whole family crammed into your house and you've got, <laughs> I don't know, I was thinking the other day, maybe one of the gifts that our clergy have 
most of them have an empty church, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you, you just, you know, have some clear understandings with your spouse and your kids to, you know, I'm going to go take an hour for myself down at my empty office or in my empty church and just be. Because a lot of times we don't even gauge how we feel because we are just running. And in some ways we kid ourselves that we're running away from it. And, and we kid ourselves with our own notion of productivity until we crash and burn. So yeah, we either deal with these emotions in a healthy way, in a way where God is present in a prayerful time of Sabbath or renewal, or we are just going to explode in really damaging ways, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're operating in survival mode in a lot yeah. of ways, that we are just trying to keep ourselves and our congregations and people we love afloat. Right. And, and that's not really going to be a good long-term plan. Mm-hmm. How can we take a step back and care for yourself? If going to the office you know, doesn't feel like the best fit for you, I've encouraged a lot of people to just schedule a time in your day to go for a walk. Yeah, I sit on my back porch. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, I watch birds. You know, birds and squirrels and chipmunks are very life-giving to me. (laughs) Notice the birds and the squirrels and the chipmunks, like you said, more this spring than I ever have. And I have loved it. Yeah. uh, Because I've taken that space. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worried about anything. So uh, a couple of things that have just given me pause that I wanted to broach with you. One of them is I continue to hear clergy saying, um, you know, uh, we'll, I'll schedule that funeral or that memorial service when everybody can gather again. Mm-hmm. And I fear that you're creating a log jam and a pipeline because I'm not sure when a large number of people will be able to gather again. That's the reality. So, so what word do you have about um, the grieving process and what's most healthy for our parishioners after they've lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of us want a funeral. Um, for so many people in, uh, in our faith tradition, a funeral is a great moment of gathering and community. Mm-hmm. And uh, we seem to forget that we have other options to gather. It won't feel the same. And so, yes, the grief uh, will might look a little bit different. Your typical grieving style, if you kind of know yourself, might, uh, it might be not as quite as linear as usual. Uh, mm. But see what sorts of virtual services you can hold. The most beautiful thing I've heard in a story so far about virtual services is it gave everybody an opportunity to speak mm-hmm. for one virtual service. And people shared stories and right. they weren't together um, there's so much more got to be said about the individual. Well, and you can record it. Yes. I mean, there's so back to it. And I don't think we just diminish the gathering, but if you could do a Zoom service with just the closest family members, you could keep it small. They could all speak. You could really do something quite lovely, I think. And then maybe leave it up to them to gather as a family, a private gathering at a home or something. But I'm just seeing... If this goes on for months and you want to have large funerals, you might have four or five a week or yeah. you, know, you might have 
And I'm just not sure how healthy that'll be for any clergy person. And I'm not sure how healthy it'll be for close family members to have delayed grief. Yeah, what's interesting is that I think that that concept initially started at the beginning because it seemed like people's best problem solving technique of, okay, I don't know how to wrap my brain around uh, some new creative way to handle this grief. And Mm -hmm. so instead, we'll just delay it. Um, Well, what gets hard about that is also it's it's challenging for the family. Do we grieve now? Do we wait to grieve towards Mm -hmm. the service? Does it is it real life that this person is actually gone now? Uh, Do we not get to acknowledge it and say that we're really sad till then? Um, But as you mentioned, for clergy, it seemed practical the first couple weeks of the pandemic that it's like, okay, we'll just push these few people till late in the summer or early in the fall. Well, now we're getting to be at a level that there is no way that any clergy person is going to have the physical capability to do that many services a week and preach on a Sunday mm-hmm. and do all and the rest get of their church back together and deal with all the and and let's not even talk about their own emotional well-being. Exactly. I'm just talking logistics that right. there's not enough hours in the day, but Um, a funeral is something that is incredibly hard work. I mean, it is moving and sad as a pastor to lead a funeral. To have that many days of sadness back to back Mm -hmm. is not going to be uh, sustainable for anybody. And so thinking of ways that uh, people can grieve both service-wise, but a lot of times when somebody has died, there is a community gathering in some ways. People are bringing meals. People are sitting with the family. So you have to start thinking creatively of what can we do differently? Can you send a gift card to for them to order takeout? Can you have food yeah. uh, delivered from right. I mean, I was listening to some beautiful ideas the other day like that. Uh, does that mean that people can do a drive-by? I mean, think of like a drive-by parade, but a drive-by of the family sitting in the driveway and people can call out some stories or six sit more than six feet apart and be able to kind of like a, take a rotation of people stopping by to share their uh, thoughts and, and see what the person may need. Um, Again, we have totally adapted to a lot of Zoom calls these right. days or FaceTime and everything. If you can't physically be there to help somebody grieve, be it a clergy person or, you know, a congregation member, then set up kind of a regular schedule of people calling or yeah. Zooming yeah. and FaceTiming. Yeah. Um, and because I think that just because we can't do it the way it was, we've kind of scrapped all ideas. But there's a lot of things that creatively uh, parts of it can translate for us. Right. Right. Another thing I've been thinking about is, um, you know, the pastor never is not the hired hand for ministry and should not be the only one doing it. So what better time would there to be to, you know, a lot of people are just lonely and fearful Mm -hmm. and just need some human contact. And so uh, I think go back to the old phone trees. I love that. (laughs) Um, go back to groups, you know, where you assign people to check on each other. But I do think that um, it's time for the pastor to share the ministry. And if you've never done that before, it's about time because uh, there is no way, even in a small congregation, the pastor can carry the emotional load for the entire congregation. And not only that, I hope that 
the pastor starts uh, sharing that emotional load elsewhere, not just with the congregation, but their own weight of stuff that mm-hmm. they meet with other pastors and right. talk about how none of us have it all figured out right now. Right. Um, none of us have been through a pandemic before. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. It is hard. Uh, and so we're all trying to do the best that we can. And so find some people that feel safe to be able to tell that to. And right. if you don't feel like you can find that, then find a, find a counselor. Um, yeah. I think that yeah. everybody could benefit from having a therapist and somebody safe to talk to right. um, if you have a community group or if you don't. Well, I've been really, uh, it's been amazing to see how folks have leaned into the connection, how uh, different groups of clergy and their worship leaders are working together. Uh, I think it would be helpful, uh, you know, if if you need to take a week off um, and others are live streaming, find a way that your folks can connect in there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to do this so that um, you can share it. I know it's a lot of work and I, I've done this and I know it's a lot of work to produce virtual worship. It, it, I, it's much more work than just showing up and doing it. But um, you know, if you need to take a week out of the rotation, that's what the connection's for. Get some folks to get together or maybe you just do a prayer and not write a sermon a week, but, but I would be creative in that way. And like you say, what better time if you've never explored counseling, um, now it's all done by telephone. Mm-hmm. And all That's Zoom calls. Right. Um, uh, and so, you know, you have a phone. You can do that any time of the day or night. You can call. I, it really is. And I hate it that there's a stigma to it. But you don't even have to get in your car and go to somebody's office. And so um, I'm going to give you the resource. We checked with this. And this is what uh, the conference insurance uh is uh, a lot of the counselors at um, the Chris 180, the Chris Counseling in DeKalb County, they um, take our conference insurance, a lot of the counselors there do, and uh, you get eight free visits on our, on our conference insurance, and then there's a copay after that. So what better time to, to develop a relationship? It, you know, do not do this alone. Do not get to your wits end. Call and there is help available to you. And so uh, let me give the number and we'll publish this number and then I'll have Lindsay tell you about some upcoming other possibilities that you might think about. But this is the beginning of our conversation on clergy mental health and ministry and keeping sanity in these crazy times. And we'll be, you know, making, having a pipeline of information that comes to you. And if you have topics or issues or stuff that you'd like us to raise in the future, by all means, just, let us know. My, uh, my email is bishop at ngumc.org, and I, we would love to hear from you about areas that you're struggling in. But the number for Chris Counseling is 404-636-1457, 404-636-1457. Make that call and uh, develop a relationship that, that probably would be life-giving to you for years to come. So uh, that's my pitch for counseling. I've benefited from it. A lot of folks have. uh, So do it because um, you know what? Uh, It helps to have a person whose objective speak into your life and be a voice of sanity and reason uh, in your, 
in your craziness. So and and uh, to have and a safe space to be right. able to, um, sometimes we feel like there are things that we struggle to share with friends or family members. And quite uh, frankly, some of them are tired of listening to it. <laughs> well, also, they're also struggling to know what new advice and support to give. Exactly, you know, and they've got their own thing. stuff going on. So, you know, at some point they're like, you know, time out. I, you need to talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. what, what a gift for all of us to be able to hear from you also, Bishop Sue, to say that that is not only permissible, but encouraged Absolutely. for us, for us Absolutely. to be caring for ourselves well. Is, this is just one blip on a chart. If you're young clergy throughout your entire ministry, you all have times where you need somebody just to, just to bounce stuff off of and just to help make meaning and sense of of what's going on, who, um, who, who has your full attention mm-hmm. and who is clinically trained to help sort it out for you. And so I can't recommend that enough. So give us a, give us a brief sketch, Lindsay, of other things that you're thinking about that might be helpful in the future. And, uh, then we'll, then we'll sign off and, and, uh, go to the next step in all of this. So. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing from clergy that there are a lot of needs uh, about these types of conversations. Um, We know that there's much more to grief and uh, caring for ourselves than we talked about just today. So we're hoping to explore grief even further, to talk about uh, the stages of grief. And for some of y'all, you may be familiar with it. For some people, that may be a newer thing. Um, To understand complicated grief, and disenfranchised grief, that uh, it's not quite as straightforward as it might have always been for us. To talk about trauma some, Mm. people are experiencing trauma in a way that they never have before. And so making sure that we as clergy are educated about trauma, um, and both for our own selves, but how to care for our people well, and how that might impact our Uh, preaching, our interaction with the congregation, and all of that, and signs and symptoms of some post-traumatic stress disorder so that we can best Mm -hmm. care for people. So those are some of the topics that I'm hearing the most right now. Mm -hmm. And then I also know that a lot of people are struggling with anxiety and depression, and we'll make sure that we keep the dialogue open about all of those. Right. Well, I think that, um, you know, nothing's more important than health and well-being. I mean, you can't take care of anybody unless you yourself has some grounding. And I do think um, when you talk about complicated trauma, complicated grief, complicated, you know, times like this bring up all sorts of unresolved issues in our Mm -hmm. lives. Um, If we've ignored uh, breaches in relationships and we're living with people 24-7, all of that is magnified. So there's just a lot of stuff now that people are dealing with. So I guess what I want the, the clergy of North Georgia to hear is we know we are grateful for what you're doing. We know it's hard work. Uh, we know it's going to be a long haul. And um, we want to give you the resources and the tools that will keep you healthy and that will um, keep you in ministry. Because sadly, a lot of times how this manifests is folks leaving the ministry or folks just throwing up their hands in desperation. And um, 
So uh, let's all work together to be healthier. Thank you, Lindsay. I think you're going to be a big contributor in uh, our mental health and how we approach ministry and um, be looking for more resources from us as we plot this. And, and if, as I said before, if you need resources or you need more education in an area, let us know because that's what we're working towards. So thank you, Lindsay, for your time. Thank you all for watching. Uh, and I will see you next time at the table. Thanks a lot. At the Table is produced by Sybil Davison and edited by Kim Drobes. Music is by Chuck Bell. Thank you, and I look forward to the next time we are together.